Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Open House, a fresh, fun, and real podcast where I, Louise Rumble, invite you inside the therapy room with me to learn from some of the very best psychologists, therapists, and sex and intimacy coaches that I have found. No topic is off the table, no question too juicy, and no experience too shameful. At Open House, everyone is welcome. And we're on a mission to develop a new mental health experience for all because we believe that true happiness is coming home to yourself under the layers and layers of you that society has told you to be. As ever, please remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and you should always seek professional medical help when necessary. Now, let's get into it and I'll see you on the other side. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Open House Podcast with me, Louise Rumble. And today I have the incredible Dr. Terry Mack back with us for a part two. If you haven't already listened to the part one talking about why people want to meet up with their ex, if you should meet up with your ex, those concepts of intention and expectation and what you need to be communicating before you do it, but ultimately more tuning inwards and asking yourself, why do I need to do this? Then please head over to listen to that. It's the perfect part one of the sandwich. This is part two. Today, we are talking about the only times that you should meet up with an ex. And I'm going to ask clinical psychologist, Dr. Terry Mack, when should you meet up with an ex? When are the only times that you get a stamp of approval from a therapist for her to say, yeah, you know what? Go ahead. You can do it. So we're going to cover that today. And then we're going to round out the episode talking about, do you need to meet up with your ex? Or can this final communication be done digitally via a letter? I'm going to ask Dr. Terry her thoughts on that. So Dr. Terry Mack, this must be something you have seen so many times in your office, people saying, I want to meet up with them. And you saying, no, you know, this is not the right time to meet up with them. So what are your thoughts? I'd love it if you could just talk us through meeting up with an ex and where people should start. Okay. So like I said, you know, in part one, or like I've said before, there's no hard and fast rule. The biggest questions to ask yourself before We've talked about what are your intentions? What are your expectations? Why do you want to meet up with the ex? So you have to make sure you're asking those questions. You also have to consider time. How much time has passed? How healed am I? Is this actually going to be good for me? Now, there are some situations where we can't avoid meeting up with an ex. Sometimes, for instance, it's to exchange stuff. You know, we've left something or some things at our ex's house or vice versa. So we get together to exchange that stuff. You need to ask yourself the same questions we've already covered because you can also exchange stuff without seeing each other. You could leave it on a box in your front porch. So 
you know, again, what it really comes down to is being honest with yourself. Yes, there may be things to exchange and get back to the other person. What's the best way for you to do that? Yeah, I think that's so important about being truthful with yourself. And again, you can do this with a therapist if you have one is working out what's underneath the stories that we tell each other. We hear all the time people saying, I have to meet up with them because they left like one trainer at my house that is like 700 years old, but they really need it because the other one is at their house. You know, we make up these like really silly stories when the truth is, is like that person is going to survive without that dusty ass converse that like they haven't even thought about since the beginning of the relationship. So I think it's really important to be honest with ourselves and you know, I didn't have that opportunity and I just threw away everything. I literally threw away all his stuff. I was like, you, you want to never come home and never talk to me again? That's cool. I'm just going to, I'm just going to throw away all your stuff. Like I didn't need the stuff back that I had at his house. I didn't need, yeah, I, I lost like some silver rings that I loved, like these Russian wedding rings that my mum gave me. But I honestly was like, do you know what? It's not diamonds. Like it's not an heirloom in our family. It's just something that I like. And for me, it felt like such an embarrassingly awkward reason to to message and be like, hi, I, I would like to meet so I can get that that ring back. But you're right. If you do want those things back, which also would have been perfectly reasonable, was for me to send a text message saying, can you please put it in an envelope and pop it in the post? That would have been fine as well. So I think it's just about being truthful and and being honest with yourself. And yeah, just leave the stuff outside, give it to a friend, give it to their family, you know, give it to someone that can get it back to them, put it in an Uber, get someone else to put it in an Uber. There are lots of ways around that, but ultimately ask yourself, do they even need this back? Do they really need this back? I think just be truthful with your with yourself in that question. Now, number two, I'd love it if we could talk about this point around a friendship group. Now, this is something that I have never really dealt with firsthand. I've never really dated someone from within my friendship group, but we see it all the time. People DMing us, people in the house saying, we're in the same friendship group. We're going to meet at a party and next month there's this event, there's this trip. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, this is a more complicated situation. It's a hard situation to be in sometimes. And again, I think it comes down to asking yourself, what is in my best interest? And again, being honest with yourself. So let's say your ex is in your friend group and they're all going out to dinner next week. Are you ready to see your ex? Are you in that healed place where you're not looking for validation. You're not looking to get back together. You're not really caring how they feel about you at this point. Have you moved on? Have you let go of the relationship? If it's been recent, the answer to those things are probably no. (laughs) So you need to ask yourself, is it worth it? Do I really need to attend this thing? Because for a while, you may not want to attend outings that include your ex. And of course, you want to be with your friends. This is a temporary thing. And I would also talk with your your close friends in that friendship group. Let them know how you're feeling, what you're going through, so that you can feel supported and stay connected with them. That doesn't mean you have to go to every event, especially if you're still in a vulnerable place. So that would be my first answer to this question. Yeah, I think it's so important, again, to ask yourself, like we said in the first part of this episode, what is your truth? Are you going to that social event with the justification of, 
I have to go because Sophie's going to be annoyed at me if I miss her birthday? Or are you using that as an excuse because you know you're going to bump into them then? So I absolutely echoed Terry on that, which is like, take time. Take time to remove things from your life that might involve interacting with them. You know, I avoided an entire part of London for the first few months post my breakup because it was like, I might bump into him there. I'm not ready to bump into him there, et cetera, et cetera. And then after a few months, it got to the point where I was like, I'm not going to let this control me. So I went back to that part of London and I owned it. But I think that it's okay to give yourself that space initially. And I would also say that if there are things that you have to go to, you know, your best friend's wedding, for example, or your best friend's christening or you know, big, big occasions, or even just a party that you do actually really want to go to and you don't want them to ruin it for you. What advice would you give for that? Because I think my advice would be just, just make yourself feel good. You're not making yourself, you're not, we're not telling you to put on a pretty outfit and do your hair and do your makeup for them. We're saying to do it for you. Like for me, I would love to feel, you know, you just want to feel confident if you bump into that person from the past. You want to just feel good for you. And I also think, stay away from the alcohol, stay away from the drugs. You know, things get really, really messy when substances are involved. There's a lot more increased likelihood of like big emotions coming out, fights happening, et cetera, et cetera. So I would say that is important thing from my standpoint. And also I would say just break the ice straight away. If you see them, just go up to them, say, hi, I hope you're good. I'm probably going to keep a distance from you from tonight, but I hope that you have a good evening and then do it. Break the ice and then just step away and get on with your night rather than it being the other way around, which is like three and a half hours in, you haven't said hi to them. By this point, you're drunk. You're a little bit sloppy. You're really emotional. I just think it's quite good to just like face up to it straight away and just go and say hi or alternatively message them beforehand and say, you know, we're going to see each other tonight. I'm not in a place right now to talk. I hope you can respect that. And then just fully ignore them the whole evening. What are your thoughts on some of those things that I've just said? Yeah, I think you made a lot of good points. I think definitely going and feeling good about yourself, being very conscious of your alcohol or substance consumption, because that is going to, you know, that's going to change your judgment and lower your inhibitions. As far as how what you do when you show up, this is what I always tell people, because you need to decide what is a place of empowerment for you. So for you, Louise, it sounds like in that situation, what would feel empowering would be to do those two things, either go up right away, say hi, or to let them know, hey, I'm going to be there, but we're not going to talk. I think there are other things that people can do, but first, this is what I ask people to do. So if there's a function coming up where they know they're going to see their ex and they're feeling, you know, some kind of way about it, first of all, I want them to get in touch. What are your biggest fears and what are your hope being at this event with your ex? So again, really doing that self-reflection, being honest with yourself. Are you hopeful that maybe they'll see you and want to get back together? Are you scared of rejection again? Are you scared of, you know, being sat next to them at a table and you don't know what to talk about? Whatever it is, you have to know what you're working with. And then I really want you to understand that you are only in control of yourself and how you show up. You are not going to be able to control how they show up, what they do or say, how they feel, anything like that. So you decide beforehand How do you want to show up? How do you want to engage with this person or not engage with this person? 
You know, do you want to just be cordial? Do you want to be more aloof? Do you want to keep your distance? Anything that you want to do is completely fine. You have to figure out what's going to take the best care of me. And then get a support system in place if possible. So if it's a work event, you know, tell a coworker or two that you're close to and you feel like you can trust that, you know, this is coming up. This is how you're feeling. And if there's any way that they can help you, like, hey, I might be staying close to you all night because that's going to make me feel better. Or, you know, if it's a friend group, you know, help your friends be a buffer. Let them know this is what I might need from you. And just remember, you have the power. You get to control everything in terms of if things get awkward, you can leave. Plan ahead, you know, like what things can I do to take care of myself if I get emotional, if things start to feel weird, I can leave early. And the last thing I would say is do not sleep together. If there is no plan to get back together, this has not been clearly (laughs) communicated. Don't show up and make out or go to bed together. I mean, it seems obvious, but I need to say it. Oh, I'm laughing. That is that is so funny. I love it how that that's the ultimate home truth. Do not fuck your ex the first time that you see them. That is really, really funny. And also something that I actually can't relate to. I have never, ever, 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 ever slept with an ex. I'm actually so proud of myself. Like that is one thing that I have never done. Do you hear that, babe? He says, excellent. <laughs> My boyfriend's in, in the same room as me, like upstairs. I have never, like ever, ever, ever. And I think that it ties back to that point of empowerment. Like Dr. Terry said is, how can you step yourself into a place of empowerment? And for me, that empowerment is taking back my power. Like if you've broken up with me, you don't get access to me and you certainly don't get access to my body. That is a fucking privilege. That is a boyfriend privilege. That is not a heartbreak privilege. So if anyone's listening to this, just remember that little, that little tagline. And I also love what you said around, you can't control anyone, but you, like you said, you can control how you show up. You can control how you look how you feel. And yeah, sure, maybe you're going to feel horrendous on the inside, but you can control if you leave, if you engage. You can control if you bring a car to the event so you can drive home. You can control if you are going to drink that night or if you're not. Those are all really, really good things to ask. What can I control about the situation tonight to make it more within my power? Now, the one thing that you cannot control, which people message us about all the time, is your partner ex-partner moving on quicker than you. That is just a really, really painful thing that you cannot control. You cannot control if they bring a new girl or a new guy. You cannot tell them, how can you do this? It's so soon after we've broken up. You know, that is just so messy. What are you hoping to get from that? And in my situation, again, if my ex bought a new girl to a party and I'm just imagining it with my boyfriend who I love so much like that, fucking breaks my heart. The thought of him turning up with someone else, I feel like physically sick. I would be an absolute wreck. But what am I going to do? I would just smile. I would show my face and I would leave. I would absolutely not go up to them. I would not cause a scene. And if I absolutely had to, and I had to be introduced to her, I would say, hi, I'm Louise. It's so nice to meet you. I would be crying and heartbroken on the inside, but I would, I would just be a kind, cordial person because 
the Louise age 20, I probably wouldn't have done that. I would have daggered her across the room, you know, not physically. I mean, like with my eyes, obviously I'm not physically murdering anyone. Yeah, the, the, the Louise before going to therapy would have wanted them to know that I fucking hated them and I'd have all my girls on my side. Healthy Louise wouldn't do that. I would say, hi, hope you have a good night. And then I would exit the venue. So what are your thoughts on someone turning up to an event with someone new? Because like that is fucking heartbreaking. It is. And that's probably one of our biggest fears when we know we're going to see our ex or even during a breakup, fearing that they're going to move on first. But it really comes down to boundaries. And what you're talking about, Louise, is showing up with healthy boundaries. People are allowed to move on. People are allowed to start dating someone right away. We can have our feelings about it, but we are not allowed to have bad boundaries and act like children. And again, that's not in our highest interest either. When we are in alignment with our true self, we are mature, we're loving, we have good boundaries, we take good care of ourselves, but we don't tell other people what they can and can't be doing. So again, you know, I love the example because when we are acting out our feelings as opposed to feeling our feelings, regulating, and then expressing whatever we feel we need to express, that's a, those are two very different things. So yes, I completely agree with you. Yeah. And again, I think if you feel this deep, like absolute dysregulation at them being with someone else, which is so, so natural, obviously it's shocking and it's painful. I think I would also now as a healed and healthy person, I would also use that as an insight into what wound did that really, really, really poke for me in that moment? And like Dr. Terry said, we can't control other people. We can't control if your ex-girlfriend or ex-boyfriend wants to jump into bed with someone else. We can't control what their coping mechanisms are, whether they shut down, whether they go and disconnect, disassociate, whether they start to engage with someone new as a new attention source. Ultimately, even though that will hurt us so much, it is not to do with us anymore. And again, if you want to scream and shout at them, how could you do this? How could you move on so quickly? Like, do you not feel anything? How are you so callous? How are you so heartless? Did we mean nothing to each other? Did you not love me? You said all these things to me. That must've been bullshit. Were you lying to me? You know, this is like the torrent of feelings and emotions that I think can come up for us. I think like Dr. Terry said, and like we discussed in part one, it's about asking that little inner child inside of you, what are you really screaming about right now? And regulating and asking that question. And I think when you can go into that wound, it's that wound of, are you worthy? Are you lovable? Are you defective? You know, in schema therapy, we talk often about this defectiveness schema that when someone leaves you, they confirm a belief that you have that you are defective. And that's why they've chosen someone else. And that's why they've moved on so quickly because they never loved you. And I think before lashing out emotionally at the other person, it's really, really beautiful to try and get into therapy and start to go into the pain of those wounds rather than projecting them out and back on that person. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, you're talking about the difference between healing and doing that inner work and staying stuck in that pattern of reaction and powerlessness. You know, and I just want to make that distinction because those wounds, like you're saying, those triggers, those things that take us from zero to 60 emotionally in a, a split second, 
those are the places that we need to lean into and look into to say, why is this triggering me so much? Those are the places that need love, that need compassion, that need understanding so that they can be healed. And breakups are the biggest opportunity for healing and expansion because they're often the most painful experiences we have in our life. So it's definitely not easy. I love this. I think one of the biggest takeaways that I've taken from these last two episodes that we've done together is exactly that. The pain of heartbreak is so profoundly impactful, but we never really go deeper because people think, well, what could there be? I've had my heart broken. What could be more painful than having my heart broken? But the truth is, is below the heartbreak, actually, a lot of the pain is the wounds that we already held that this person has really, really thrown gasoline all over when they left. Now, taking it back to the core of the episode, we're talking about the only times that you should meet up with your ex. We've already spoken about exchanging stuff. We've spoken about that friendship group piece, which I think is so, so important. I'd love it if you could talk me through the next one, which is having shared responsibilities. Talk me through that. Yeah, so exes who share children, pets, you know, they own a house together. In those instances, there will be things to talk about. You are going to, like, especially if you have children or pets, you're going to be in relationship with each other for a very long time. And you will need to communicate to, you know, perform your duties as a pet parent or a, a parent of children. So the important thing here is all the same stuff we've already talked about, you know, your intentions, your expectations, your approach, but also boundaries are so important, right? And if you have children, there's another layer here to consider your boundaries and how your interactions with your ex impact the children or the people around you. If you own a house together, there are going to be things that you need to talk about and figure out. And it's totally possible to do that. You need to decide how tight your boundaries have to be. If the two of you can't be together in the same room or even on the phone together without it turning into a big argument, then use email. You know, like make those boundaries really tight. If you're able to be friendly and discuss things, then even better. But you really, again, have to consider who is my ex? What was this relationship like? And like, what boundaries do we need to have in place for our new type of relationship that we have? Yeah. And I know a lot of this podcast, we focus on dating and we focus on relationships. And obviously that's a lot of the time just because that's my own lived experience that we're sharing. And I haven't been married and I haven't been divorced and I haven't had children and I haven't been engaged and whatnot. But we see it a lot in the house. There's a lot of people who have children with an ex and that ex is very toxic. The ex really causes a lot of problems. So it's something that I really want to get into this year on the podcast. And I think you and I can talk about how we can do that. I know this is something that you have gone through personally, not referencing the toxic ex, just, you know, navigating co-parenting and having children I think it's something really important that I would love for us to get into because I can only imagine that it's a whole nother layer of a relationship that has ended, but ultimately it's staying around and it impacts your new relationships. It impacts your children. There's so much that it can still impact. I watched a lot of TikToks about how to handle a narcissistic ex and it was that you have to literally communicate only by text 
Don't even reply to what they send. If you talk on iMessage, you can give it the thumbs up or the thumbs down. Do not give them anything that they can manipulate because I've watched these TikToks of these people manipulating the text message chains and I was like, wow, that must be infuriating. So we should definitely get into that at some point. And in part one, you know, we spoke about the opportunity that you get to meet with an ex, to talk with an ex, to share with an ex. We've talked about these concepts of closure, connection, why you might want to meet, what you might want to say. I'd love to talk with you about this concept of writing a letter. I know it's something that you talk about a lot, writing a letter, not sending it, writing a letter, sending it. I think a letter can be one of the most healing tools that we can use in a breakup. And in my experience, we go through several drafts of a letter, depending on when we first write it. So, you know, journaling can be really effective when you're going through a breakup. There's lots of different tools, but writing a letter to your ex, what I would say is write your first draft, just get everything out there unfiltered, anger, pain, sadness, whatever. Ask all the questions, say all the things, okay? Don't send it yet. Sit with it. Wait a couple days. Go back to the letter, reread it. And if you're still feeling like, you know, you want to send a letter, ask yourself, how do I feel about this one? Oftentimes people then write a different draft. Or, you know, the longer you wait, let's say you wait a week or you wait a month and you go back to that original letter, the intensity of that feeling is different. It's changed. And what often happens is, you know, as we do the inner work, as we heal, the anger dissipates. The sadness dissipates a bit. And what we're left with is truth. So I always encourage people, write the letter, but don't send it. You want to feel like you're sending the truth. You're sending the core of your message. And sometimes when we're so unregulated and still so overwhelmed with feeling and pain and anger, we're not at the truth yet. So I say, keep writing the letter. It's not really about sending it so much in the beginning. It's more for you. And then the other thing is you may never decide to send it. Some people send it, some people don't, whatever version they decide on. But I want you to ask yourself this question. Is this letter for me or is it for my ex? Do they deserve to have access to my innermost thoughts and feelings? Or was it just helpful for me to process my most innermost thoughts and feelings? So that's kind of how I think about the letter. What are, you, what are your thoughts about that, Louise? So first of all, I love what you said about don't send your first draft. And I think that this can also be extrapolated out to all digital communications. So for me, I always say to people, if you want to text your ex, write it in your notes and wait 24 or 48 hours. If you still want to send that message 24 or 48 hours later, go ahead, send it. Trust me, nine times out of 10, you will reopen that 
goddamn note and you will be like, I am so glad I did not send that psychotic message. So just write it in your notes and just wait. That's my first thing. If we're talking digital communications, just wait. We talk about it with the anxious attachment all the time. When you are coming from a dysregulated space in your nervous system, you are flooded with cortisol and adrenaline and, you know, pow, 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 pow. Those fingers are going on the keyboard, you know, let that settle. Because like you said, that, that can be words in a vehicle for like so much anger and so much pain. Now, the letter. To this day, two and a half years later, I stand by writing and sending a letter being the most cathartic thing that I have ever done for myself. For me, writing that letter was the most healing experience because I wrote it and I rewrote it and I rewrote it And whilst I did that, so many things came to the surface. And I actually broke down the letter into like, I can't really remember, but it was like things I'm really grateful for, things you taught me, and also things that I'm really sorry for, things that I wanted to take responsibility for in the relationship. And when I met with my ex-boyfriend, he said, that letter was the most profound thing you have ever sent me. And I felt it the same for me. But it ties back to part one of the episode. What are your intentions? And what are your expectations? Do not send that letter if you are doing it with the hope of a response. I didn't get a response from my letter. But being able to communicate the things that I did was more than enough for me. Yes, of course, it stung that he didn't reply to that letter. I was like, how could you? But the truth is, is it was so cathartic for me. For some people, maybe they don't want to send it. For me, I wanted to send it. For me, I sent it. It was the best thing I ever did. But I love everything you've said there. And I think it's just important to take time to not do anything rash, dysregulated, full of adrenaline. I think it's really just, yeah, take your time. Really work out what your intentions are before doing it. Yeah. And I think another thing you said there is about expecting a response or not expecting a response. We've said this throughout part one and part two. If you write the letter, you really have to consider how am I going to feel if I don't get a response? How am I going to feel if I get a response I don't like? So you really have to, again, to be in a place where you're sending that letter and letting go of anything else. You're saying what your truth is, what you want to say. And If you feel like no matter what comes from their side, if nothing comes from their side, if you get an angry response back or something else, that you'll still be okay and you'll still feel good about sending that letter, then sure, send it. But again, if you're, if there's an expectation hinging on it, don't send it. You're not ready. Yeah, you're so right. And I think that for me, it was exactly that. I shared my truth in this letter. It was so heartfelt. It was so full of love and gratitude, self-awareness. It wasn't just positive. It was also saying like, I did this and I really fucked up and you did that and you really fucked up. And I've learned from this and you have gone on to teach me this. Like it was a very well-rounded letter. It wasn't just like, I love you. Like, I can't believe you left me. It was really just like, very well thought through. And I knew that by sharing that, if I didn't get a response, that was okay. Cause I had shared my truth. I had used it as a vehicle for my own healing. And ultimately I treated it as if it was the last conversation we were ever going to have, because it was, it was just done through letter form. So I thought, what are the things that I need to leave this person with? 
if we never, ever, ever, ever speak again. And we didn't for two and a half years. So for me, it was a critically important part of my healing journey, but everyone's different. Maybe your sensitivity to rejection, to not getting a response is too much for you. It's going to throw you off kilter more and you need to keep that control and you need to keep that stability in you. Everyone is different. It's about reflecting on where you sit. I really hope that you guys can do that with a therapist, having someone to guide you through that journey to work out what wounds are driving the wanting to send the letter or the fear of not getting a response from a letter. Having an expert to take you through that is a really, really valuable part of this healing journey. And the one thing that we haven't spoken about today is if you want to build or sustain a one-to-one friendship. You know, we haven't spoken about how to do this, when to do this, if that's even a good idea. So if you're listening to this thinking like, I want to be friends with them, they want to be friends with me, you need to head over to episode 31. We have already done a full episode on this, Dr. Terry and I, titled, Can You Ever Really Be Friends With An Ex? And we go through everything that you need on that topic. So we are not going to cover it again today. So unless you have anything else to add. Nope, I think we covered it all. Then we can wrap up this episode here. I hope you guys loved this two-part episode talking about meeting up with an ex. It's something we have all gone through. You are not alone. And it's okay if it fucking hurts. And often I think it hurts because it meant something. But also it hurts because your inner child is holding a lot of wounds and a lot of beliefs from a very long time ago. So please don't think that just because it's debilitating pain that it means that this person should be your person. Nine times out of 10, if this person was going to be your person, it wouldn't have ended in a breakup. And to everyone that's not watching the video, Dr. Terry is nodding aggressively. (laughs) So thank you all so much, Terry, as ever. Thank you. This was such an important conversation. If you guys love this episode, please share part one and part two with someone that's going through a breakup. Share it to your story. Please subscribe to the Open House podcast. Please DM us. Let us know if you took value from this. And as ever, let us know where you want to go on this podcast. We do this just as much for you as we do for us. So thank you, Terry. I love you so much and I will see you next episode. Love you, Louise. Bye, everyone. Bye.